Hey everyone, it's Natalia, the founder of Upskill Me, and this is another episode of Upskill Me Podcast. Today we're going to speak about stress and intonation. This episode is for all the non-native speakers who need to perform in English in the business environment. For all those people who need to deliver business presentations or simply any kind of public talks or any kind of presentations in the English language. And I, I'm going to be very specific at the very start. This podcast is primarily for Russian learners of English, for those people whose first language is Russian and who want to reach native-like fluency in the English language. It's my first language as well, Russian. This is why I think I understand how Russian learners think and how they feel when it comes to trying to figure out the English rhythm, the English intonations, and the English rhythm patterns, you know, rising tones, falling tones, word stress, and sentence stress. It's pretty frustrating for a lot of people. And I want to clarify a few things, because I've been through this myself, and I know it's complicated. However, I also know that if you disregard that rule, if you don't learn to chunk your speech, if you ignore the intonation patterns, if you don't learn to follow the rhythm of the English language, then a lot of people will find it hard to understand you. You want to get your inflections right. So if your first language is Russian, keep listening, because there will be a lot of examples, both in English and in Russian. And if your first language is different from Russian, I hope you also enjoy this episode. I want to start from the very basics, and already the basics frustrate Russian learners a lot. There are two types of intonations in English. We either go up or we go down, and we don't have that in Russian. Uh, we just don't have that. That's a new concept to us. In English, we usually go down at the end of the statement. When we make a statement, we say, that's it, I'm done talking, I'm going down. We land the plane. The plane takes off at five, down. It's, it's a very clear signal that we're done talking. And we go up when we want to show that, hang on a second, I'm not done talking yet. So I have more to say. And here is how it sounds. Wherever you go, follow your heart. Wherever you go, I'm going up because I want to show, I want to signal that that's not the end of the sentence. Wherever you go, I'm going up, follow your heart. Follow your heart, and I'm going down, I'm gliding down towards the end of the sentence. This is, this is just a very primitive, basic description of the English intonations, of the, of the rhythm of the English language. We either go up or down. And for a lot of Russians, that is already difficult. Russian speakers listen to native speakers of English going up, and they, it sounds like down to them, or they hear how people go down, and they think it's up. So they're very confused already at this point. And I think I have a theory that explains why people are so confused. In fact, there is a third type of um, tone or intonation. I'm not sure what's the right word here. Uh, it's when we just simply go forward. When we don't specifically go up or down, we just go forward with our intonation. To talk more about this, you see, to speak more about this, I am clearly not done speaking yet. I'm about to say something else, and in real life, I wouldn't make this pause so long. 
but I'm just showing you for the sake of this example. Wherever we go with this example, we have to, you see, we have to, and I'm not going up or down, I'm just stressing the word and my intonation goes forward because I'm about to say a verb because a verb usually naturally follows the modal verb have to. We have to consider all the other options. And I go down on the word options. Options. So my theory is that Russians find it difficult to distinguish between rising intonation, falling intonation, and the intonation that's just going forward because the whole system of stressing words in Russian and in English is completely different. So let me give you a few examples. We do not have long or short vowels in the Russian language. They, all the vowels are the same length. This is why already the difference between beach and bitch, beat and bit, sheet and shit is very complicated for a lot of Russian learners and they make mistakes when they're just starting out. And they make a lot of funny mistakes too. Because we really don't hear that. And I teach listening courses and I help people advance their speaking skills and listening skills. And I understand very well that if you do not hear that, you will certainly never be able to repeat that. So people cannot reproduce the sound simply because they cannot hear them. And step number one here is to learn to hear those vowels and to learn to say them on your own. If you think about it, listen to how I went up on the word but If you think about it, I went up just to signal that I'm not done speaking yet. When I listen to Americans or English people who are learning Russian, I, I hear that very well. They stretch all the vowels that are never stretched in Russian. And when Russians learn English, the first thing they do is they reduce all the vowels and they don't distinguish between long and short ones. For example, a Russian name is Katya. Katya. But a lot of Americans will say Katya, Katya, Katya. So they will make the first uh, stressed syllable, which is A, Ka, Katya. For us, it's stressed because I'm a native speaker of the Russian language. For me, the first syllable is definitely stressed, but it's not as stressed as it would be in the English language. I still hear it. I mean, I, I, I hear it. I don't need it to be exaggerated. I don't need it to be stressed so extremely because honestly, Katya say, uh, already sounds like an extreme version of that name to me, you know, it's an exaggeration in, in my world as um, a person who, let's say, doesn't speak any foreign language and who speaks Russian. So that sounds totally weird and too long. <laughs> so, but Americans or English people do not hear that it's too long. For them, it's normal. They try to say the Russian words in the rhythm pattern of the English language. And that's what creates their accent. That's how and that's why we hear their accent. Russian speakers do the same thing. They speak English in the musical pattern of the Russian language. And the musical pattern of the Russian language is pretty much non-existent. It's flat. We do not stress content words. We do not produce functional grammar words. We put equal emphasis on every word in a sentence and that frustrates the hell out of native speakers because they're used to listening to important information first and their ear knows where to focus when someone's talking 
And Russian, when somebody speaks Russian, you pretty much need to catch every word because every word is equally stressed. To native speakers of English, that's very frustrating because that means every word is important. And it may seem like nothing is important because when we speak English and, when, and we try to stress every single word and even the prepositions, you see, it gets tiring after a bit. I mean, it's really hard to listen to this kind of English, right? So we do want to stress content words, content words, content words. Yeah, this, these are important words that we do want to stress and we reduce everything else. Coming back to the issue of how we stress words in different languages. Let's take another word. Malako. Malako. That's a Russian word for milk. Malako. The last syllable is clearly stressed. And it's O. But it's not the English O. Because if Americans or British people say this Russian word, it's going to sound like Malako. Malako. Uh, it does sound a bit funny to me, I'm sorry. But malako, that's how they would say it. So if I want to fake American accent, that, that's how I would sound. malako? And they're going to go up at the end of this phrase because usually at the end of yes or no questions, English people go up. And we don't. We don't necessarily do that. So listen to how different this O sound is in Russian and in English. Malako, that's Russian. Malako. Malako, or I don't know, if <laughs> me faking American accent is good, I don't know if I'm doing a good job, but that's how I hear it. I hear that their O is a lot longer and a lot more prominent. So when we work on pronunciation, when we work on diction with those students who want to speak better English, the first advice I give to them is you've got to open your mouth more when you speak English because all the sounds are just more relaxed, they're more prominent, they're heard more. And, you know, when we speak Russian, we barely open our mouth. It's just not necessary. And in English, you have to open your mouth almost twice as much. You have to teach your articulation organs and jaw muscles to do a different job because all the vowels are stretched, especially vowels. All the vowels are, you know, they look like they double in size when you speak proper English. When I say proper English, I mean that your pronunciation is correct, you stress all the words correctly, and your sentence stress is correct as well. So that means your inflections are don't sound off, they sound all right. So that's one moment that I wanted to show you. I hope you get the difference. So we just stretch the vowels differently. There are long and short vowels in English which we don't have in Russian, so Russians find it hard to figure out what is what. And this is what, let's say, Russian learners need to learn. They need to learn to say beat and bit. And another good advice for someone who whose first language is Russian, who's struggling with short vowels, is when you look at words with the letter I, let's say, slip, bit, sit and you read them with the russian e which sounds like sit beat drink right this is russian accent and russian e is e english short e is e you know bit i struggle a bit bit so when you see words like that try to read them as if the vowel is not even there so if you look at the word sit 
sit. Try to start reading from the letter S and go to T directly as if the vowel is not even there. So just try to skip it and see how you get it. Sit, sit, sit. And usually in connected speech, it's going to be as fast as I'm, I'm doing it right now. You know, where should I sit? Where should I sit? Sit. However, is the seat taken? Seat. That's a longer one. And again, even the long E is very different from the Russian E. E. We don't say seat. We say sit. So they sound pretty different. I hope that makes sense, guys. Work on distinguishing the long and the short vowels. Now, let's look at another thing that I think might explain why Russians struggle so much with the English rhythm and why English people also struggle learning Russian. It's the word order and the sentence stress. First of all, we have to understand that there is no word order in Russian. I mean, whatsoever. We absolutely disregard it. We ignore it. And, you know, we can live without it. <laughs> so Russian is very flexible. We don't care where the verb should be. We can put it anywhere. And the meaning of the sentence will totally depend on our intonation and on how we choose to connect the words today in a sentence. Seriously, there is no word order. There are no rules. And that also frustrates a lot of native speakers of English who try to learn Russian and who try to follow the rules. In English, however, we need to follow the rules. We always usually start with a subject, that, which is followed by a verb, and then all the other information follows in a very certain order as well, because Every word in the English language is usually connected to some other word. No words except for words like sometimes, tomorrow, today. No words except for these ones are standalone words. You know, usually they're connected with another word. So if you take the word decide, it's never alone in the sentence. It's, it will be connected with the word he decides, he decides, or... He decided to take a break. He decided to do what? To take, to take what? To take a break. He decided to take a break. That's going to be one thought group that needs to be said together. If you make a dramatic or abrupt pause after the word he decided, and then you pause, and then you say to, and then you pause, take a, and then you pause, and you say break, and then you go up, it's not clear what she said at all. You need to connect the words together. He decided to take a break. And you either go down if that's the end of the sentence, or you go up if you're planning to say something else. He decided to take a break, so now we all have to put up with him sitting at home, right? So the intonation will vary depending on if it's the end of the sentence or we're in the middle of what we're about to say. In Russian, however... This rule does not apply, simply does not. I'm not going to explain to you how the Russian word order works because even though I'm a native speaker, I'm not sure. I just know that it can work any way I want it to work. <laughs> and and that's, how, that's how much I know about the Russian word order. It just works. Any way you, you, know, you do it, it works. I always say that the Russian language is like a Lego um, box because if you look at how children play with Lego boxes... You know, they put a bunch of Lego pieces on the floor, a million of them, and then they built an aircraft. 
and then they put them apart, they put the aircraft apart and they build a robot from the same freaking Lego pieces, the same. Then they put that apart and they build a house or a castle. So you can put the same Lego pieces in, in a different order and you get a completely new thing, right? So Russian works exactly the same way. You put the same words just in a different order and you get a completely new thing. And English, unfortunately, doesn't work like that. We have rules that we need to follow. As I said earlier, in Russian, we usually stress every word in a sentence. Every word gets equal stress, equal em emphasis. And in English, usually we stress important words, such as content words, nouns, verbs, adjectives, negatives. And we reduce all the functional words, such as prepositions, articles, pronouns, modal verbs. So these will be connected like, I could have done better. I could have done better. We don't say, I could have done better. No, we say, I could have done better. Better is the only content word that's actually stressed in this thought group. And that is also very challenging for a lot of Russian speakers. But what I want to talk about specifically here is that in phrases like this, I could have done better. I'm, I'm going down actually at the end here because, okay, let's imagine that's, that's the whole sentence. I could have done better. I'm going down. And I'm stressing the word better, better. For a lot of Russian speakers, the fact that the word is stressed already means that something is happening. It's either down or up. And they cannot decide, oh, was it up or was it down? Because again, as I said, in Russian, we're not used to people, to hearing people stress words so much because it does sound a lot to us. And when somebody simply stresses a word in English, we cannot decide like, what is it? Is it up or is it down? And sometimes it's, it's neither. It's just a stressed word. Okay. Uh, sometimes when you say something like, it, it's exhausting to listen to someone speak like that. It's exhausting to listen to someone speak like that. The word exhausting is simply stressed. It's just a stressed word. It's exhausting to listen. And I say it louder than all the other words and a bit longer because I want to stress it properly. But a lot of Russian learners like hang on to that word and they think, okay, is it up or down? And if they decide that it's up, when they read it or when they say the same phrase, they try to go up. It's exhausting to hear you know, or they go down. It's exhausting to hear. And we don't really want to swing here. We just want to say it's exhausting to hear someone speak like that because it's one thought group. We have to finish what we started saying. So it's difficult for them to understand what is it? Is this just a stress syllable or are we going up or are we going down? And the reason for that is probably what I uh, said earlier that for Russians, that sounds too much. I want to show you an example of an American who talks about her experience learning the Russian language and how she couldn't hear the difference between the word chas and sichas. Chas means one, one o'clock. Chas means one, one o'clock in Russian. And sichas means now. I told you that we we don't usually reduce words I don't remember I don't remember if I told you that we don't reduce words in the Russian language like English people love to do 
we don't divide words into categories like these are important words and these are not important words. These are content words and these are grammar words. We usually pronounce all the words fully. However, we do reduce certain words like chess. You know, instead of saying a full word, like we spell it out, we don't say see chess. We say chess, chess. And everybody understands this. Or we say сегодня. Я сегодня посмотрю. Instead of сегодня, we reduce it, we say сегодня. And everybody understands as well, because in casual conversations, it's what we do. But it's not because this word is not important. It's just because this word is so common and we say it so much that we tend to reduce it, like for the sake of speed, I think. So let's listen to this story. Well, I was in Russia and I was with a group of people and we were supposed to be going into a concert. And the Russian lady who was guiding our group said, come on, come on, you got to go in. And I said, well, what time does the concert start? And she said, it's I heard this. Doesn't that sound kind of like it? Stas. And I said, at one o'clock? You know, one o'clock? And she said, no, no. You know, I heard this. So I said, chas? And she said, no, chas. And I said, are you saying chas? You know, you see what I'm... And she said, no, I'm saying chas. Well, she was saying this word. But one thing I did not understand is that um, in spoken Russian, this syllable, this is heard a little bit, but this totally disappears. So to my American ears, I thought she was saying one o'clock, she was saying now. And um, because of the fact that I wasn't aware of that pronunciation feature, now when I spoke, I would say сейчас for now, whereas the Russians were saying сейчас. You see, that's pretty interesting. When an American lady in this story tries to learn Russian, she wants to say the full word. The word she expects that we say the word exactly as we write it. Сейчас. Сейчас. And Russian speakers expect the same thing from the English language. They think the word is pronounced exactly as it's written down, especially a group of words such as what you're doing. They expect native speakers to say what are you doing? And that never happens because native speakers say what you're doing tonight. You see? <laughs> so the same, the same story happens both ways. But what is interesting to me here is how she stresses the word chas. You see? How she, I would never say it in like in Russian. I would say I would say сейчас, which is now, and I say chas. Chas. I don't say chas, and because that's an English ah, and to her it sounds the same because that's how she hears it. Say chas and chas, and we don't do this in the Russian language, and that's why it's difficult for her to understand the difference because she doesn't hear the difference. In Russian, the difference is very clear. One word is chas, and one word is chas. I mean, to me that sounds pretty clear, but to her apparently it doesn't, and to a lot of Russian learners, things like sit and seat, slip and sleep, just don't make any difference. They don't hear the difference. And that creates a problem. So the first thing we want to learn to do is to hear that difference. Now, when it comes to sentence stress, 
and going up or down at the end of the sentence. It's also interesting to listen to how native speakers of English speak Russian and how when, when they're pretty advanced or, you know, when people are bilingual, let's say like Mila Kunis, she was born in the Ukraine and Russian is her first language. She still speaks it to her grandparents, but she lost a lot of it. And uh, she is also a native speaker of, of the English language. And when she speaks English, she has zero accent. However, when she speaks Russian, we do hear an accent. And when Russian children, children or teenagers go to an English speaking country and spend a year or longer there and then come back, we also start hearing that they speak Russian with an accent. If they spend enough time in the English speaking environment, then they adopt the intonations and the rhythm. You know, when I was in high school, a friend of mine went to the US for a year. And when she got back, that was so funny how she talked. And we would make fun of her all the time because she would speak Russian with no accent. I mean, her accent didn't change, but her intonation changed totally. You know, she would say something like, magazine." you know, <laughs> the intonation and the, pron the pronunciation is clearly Russian, but the, the tone is English. I mean, she would go up at the end of every question and we would just laugh so hard because it sounds funny. It does sound funny. Or she would say something like, no, you know, again, this is not Russian. We do not do that. And she clearly adopted that from the English language. I also want to show you how Mila Kunis speaks Russian. I found an interview with her. And I find it pretty interesting. Let's listen to this piece. Let's listen again. So the English rhythm, if you think about it, it's a beat-driven language. It's, you know, two of my favorite accent reduction coaches say that you have to clap when you speak English. And it sounds like this. Cows eat grass. Cats chase mice. You have to clap when you reach the stressed syllable. And usually there's equal amount of time between the stressed syllables. Like, let's listen again to how Mila says this sentence. She says, So, <laughs> to me, it sounds exactly the same. You see, she takes the stressed syllable and she stretches it a little bit too much for the Russian ear, but it's totally okay for the English ear. That's a pattern, that's the intonation pattern, that's the stress pattern of the English language. Because if we take another English word such as exhausted, exhausted, you hear the same thing, amazing. Kapilku. But in Russian, we would never say things like that. We'll say kapilku, kapilku, kapilku. And even kapilku sounds a bit weird. I would say So you see, there are no dramatic jumps. And we don't go dramatically up or down on one word. We say kapilku. For us, it's clear that the first syllable is stressed. But 
for a native speaker of English to show them that the first syllable is stressed, you really, really have to stress it. Kapilku, pisats. We don't say that in, in Russian, we just say pisets. Pisets. As I said, we barely open our mouth when we speak Russian. And we understand each other, okay? That's just how the language works. Now, one more interesting thing I wanted to speak to you about is intonation when we want to say something important and the cultural aspect of it. I think that we can look at poems and actually we can learn a lot by looking at Russian poems and English poems. Let's say in the Russian school, we all had to recite poems. That was always part of the homework. We would have to learn a poem by heart, come to class and recite a poem. And we were taught that a poem is something very important. And when you recite a poem, you have to sound dramatic. You have to speak every word correctly, loudly. You know, it has to be heard. And yeah, I think the word that comes to mind when I think about reciting poems in Russian is dramatic. We don't speak like that in real life, but when we recite poems, we have to sound slightly different. Well, actually a lot different. <laughs> it's like, it's a poem. It's not just what I say to a friend, it's a poem. So it's almost, I want to say solemn, you know, that kind of intonation. And yeah, dramatic, solemn, just different from everyday conversations. And I want to listen together with you now to a Russian poem and then an English poem, just to compare the rhythm, the rhythm patterns, the intonation patterns. And I will try to explain to you what I see here and how we can explain the frustration of Russian learners when they try to learn to copy the rhythm of the English language. Let's listen to a poem by Sergei Yesenin. He's a very, very famous Russian poet of the 20th century. And it's read by a famous Russian actor, Sergei Bezrukov. Let's listen to that. Я усталым таким еще не был. В эту серую морось и слизь Мне приснилось рязанское небо И моя непутевая жизнь. Много женщин меня любила, Да и сам я любил не одну. Не от этого темная сила Приучила меня к вину. That's a beautiful poem, and it's read beautifully. So what I want to pay attention to here is that it is a bit dramatic. We don't speak like that in normal life, in everyday life, and everybody will know immediately that that's a poem. You know, the person has written a poem. And there is always rhyme in Russian poems. That means we have to make sure that the end of every line matches you know, with the next, with the end of another line. And for the sake of this, for the sake of rhyme, some endings of the words will be pronounced very distinctly and sometimes longer than they are pronounced in everyday life. For example, the word like sleaze here, right? He stretched it a little bit. Or it's a little bit too long because in everyday conversation you'll say something like nibble, nibble, but nibble. 
because we want to rhyme it with the word nieba. A very distinctive feature of poetry in Russian, and I mean now reciting poems, reciting poetry, is that your diction becomes very, very clear and we suddenly say all the words very distinctly. It's intended for a large group of people and, and those people who are sitting in the back, let's say if you're speaking in front of a big group, they also want to hear what you're saying. So you have to be loud, you have to be distinct, you have to pronounce every letter of every word, you have to make sure that your lines rhyme and of course you want to add this emotional component to your reading. You want to help people feel what the poem is about. Now, let's listen to an English poem, and I chose the, you know, the most classical poem there is, <laughs> All, War, All the World's a Stage by William Shakespeare. Let's listen to how native speakers of English read English poems. All the World's a Stage, from As You Like It, by William Shakespeare. All the world's a stage. And all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. At first the infant, mewling and puking in the nurse's arms. And it goes on. To me, honestly, this doesn't really sound like a poem. Well, if we compare it to what I understand a poem is from my Russian experience, to me it just sounds like a person speaking. It, the intonation or the rhythm doesn't change much because it's a poem. There is also no rhyme in most of the English poems. They, they ignore it just like we ignore word order. I mean, to write a poem you don't need to make the words rhyme. It's just not a condition. In Russian it is. If your words don't rhyme you have a problem. And here, there is no rhyme, and even Shakespeare just ignored it. But to me, it just sounds like a person is casually speaking about important things. Yes, English poems are full of metaphors. That's a distinctive feature, and Russian poems are full of metaphors as well. Metaphors, similes, and other figures of speech, they're there. But the way people speak doesn't really change much other than that it probably they speak slower a little bit and they pay your attention to important words a bit more. Um, so the pace might be different. But again, they go up, down, they stress their words, they follow the rules of the sentence stress just the same way they do when they speak in normal life. That's how it sounds to me, at least. But the reason I showed you these two examples is that I understand where this urge to be dramatic comes from when we speak about Russian learners trying to speak very well in the English language, or when we speak about situations where Russian learners of English need to deliver important presentations in English. When something is important, we think about it as a poem, you know. And because a poem was something very, very important, we had to recite in front of a whole group. That was our public speaking class. And I think a lot of people adopt this concept of importance when it comes to a public presentation, which is always associated with a poem. In Russian, we have this expression, Chitait Svrajenyem, which is 
impossible to translate into English, but that means you read with expression. You, you suddenly change the way you speak and the way you read in normal life and you read better, just better than you speak in real life uh, with more expression, with more emphasis. And when people try to deliver important information, they try to apply the same strategies that they used to apply when they were reciting poems. It's just on a subconscious level, you know. But English poetry is very different, and native speakers of English rarely get it. They, to be honest, they never get it, I think, because they, to them, the sudden change in articulation seems strange, and because it doesn't fall, <laughs> follow the rules of the rhythm of the English language, it sounds even more strange to them. So my advice to Russian learners of English who try to deliver important messages for native speakers of English is that you don't need to read with expression. You don't need to think about an important presentation like it's a poem that you have to recite in front of a group of people. We don't want to adopt those strategies. What we want to do is we want to learn to hear the rhythm of the English language and we want to speak to, to native speakers of English following the rhythm patterns and the musical patterns of their language because this is how they will definitely hear what we have to say. If we say every word the same way and if we don't stress any words, you know, it, it becomes tiring very soon. We either stress nothing or we stress everything, but in both scenarios, it's very hard to understand what we're saying. I mean, people hear every word that we're saying, but they, they have no idea what we just said because altogether it doesn't make sense. So that's my message. Poetry is a very different concept, apparently, in both languages. It sounds very different and people read it differently. People think of it differently. And if you are a Russian student, if your first language is Russian and you're trying to speak better English, forget about poetry. <laughs> forget about um, adding more emphasis to your language because you're getting it wrong. When we recite poems in Russian, we take every word up. Everything should go up. And in English, it doesn't work like that. You only take the word or the whole phrase up if you are asking a question like this, or if you're not done talking yet, because you're, you want a signal, signal, I'm going up, that something else is coming and I'm stepping down until I reach the end of the sentence. That's it. So this is what I hear a lot and hopefully I, I, I managed to explain it to, to you guys if your first language is Russian and if you're listening to this right now, do not take every word up. Do not try to, to be dramatic. Do not try to add more emphasis to every word because it sounds like you don't know what is important in your sentence because you make every word important or you make pauses in the wrong places. And that's another typical thing. Uh, English sentences consist of chunks or thought groups where each thought group usually contains a number of words that mean something. Only if they're put together in this thought group, they mean something. For example, the other day when we were on a hike, so actually I can say there are two thought groups here. The other day, the other day, 
and when we were on a hike, when we were on a hike. That's one thought group, when we were on a hike. If I pause after when we were on a hike, you know, if I do something like that, then people do not get what I'm saying. So I have to say the other day, I can go slightly up when we were on a hike. Then again, I'm going up just to show that that's not the end of my sentence yet. I'm not done speaking yet. I took a lot of pictures and I go down. So again, the full sentence will sound like, will sound like this. The other day when we were on a hike, I took a lot of pictures. I took a lot of pictures. I took a lot of pictures. I took a lot of picture, pictures. Pictures is clearly I'm going down. But if we look at the word took, 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 it's just a stressed word. I'm not going up or down here. I'm just making it a bit louder and I stress it. I stress it the way English people stress their words just because it's an important word. And I reduce all the other words. The other day, the other, the other. I don't say the other day. No, I say the other day. You see, you hear day, but the other, the other. This is reduced a lot. When we're in a hike, when we were on air. These are all not important words. So I say them together. When we're in a hike, hike is the word that you hear. You know, day, hike, took, pictures. Even if I say just the content words and I do not connect them grammatically, you kind of get the idea of what I'm saying, right? So the other day when we're in a hike, I took a lot of pictures. I took a lot of pictures. A lot of, these are also not important words that are being reduced. So I, I don't want to give you a lesson now on this. I'm going to stop. But my point is that we do not do anything like that in Russian. And that's very confusing because in Russian, we will say every word in a sentence very clearly. And if we care about being understood, if we care to communicate the message directly, if we care to deliver an important message, like when we recited a poem at school, you know, that was freaking important. That was, that was something that we had to do beautifully or, you know, we were shamed in front of the whole class. And I think a lot of people who were brought up in a Soviet school, they still have that concept in their head and they don't realize they have it there. You know, it's just, and also if your first language is English and if you're listening to this, try to understand that Russian people do it because they think you're important and your communication with one another is very important. So they're just trying to be very clear. That's why they're saying every word to you as clearly and as distinctly as they can. And probably they're going a bit like their intonation and their inflections are off. Uh, and, and it sounds off to you and you're not really sure which words are important and which words are connected, which words are disconnected because um, they're, they're trying to add emphasis to every word. A lot of native speakers also share with me that to them, Russian language sounds like people are singing. And I think I can relate to that because when Russian people speak English, they tend to go up at the end of their sentences a lot. I don't know where it comes from. I don't think we do that in Russian, but in English, when my students speak as well, I hear that a lot. People say things like, we went on a hike and 
we took a lot of pictures so uh, later you know like it goes like ah, da, 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 and it's like you never know if the person is going to finish or not so it it either sounds like a question or it sounds like one long sentence and i'm not sure where the end of that sentence is and if you're if your first language is Russian, this is probably what you want to pay attention to if you want to be understood and if you want to speak more clearly. Just take a two-second pause if you realize that that's the end of your idea. That's the end of your statement. That's the end of your sentence. Two seconds. Pause for two seconds. People will wait. It will sound like an eternity to you at first, but then you'll get used to that. I think I paused for four or five seconds now, but you're still there, right? <laughs> Nothing happened. These pauses will help your listeners to connect with you more. And actually, you know, the best way to attract people's attention is to stop speaking because then they will go like, oh, did I miss anything? Oh, what's going on? Oh, what did you say? <laughs> what's coming next? And they will start listening to you more attentively. Don't be afraid to pause because a lot of people are afraid that they will not know what to say next. So they just try to fill up space with words, uh, fellow words, just anything so that the other person doesn't think they have nothing to say or the other person doesn't think that they don't know how to say that correctly in English. People are so terrified of making a mistake that they will just say anything to fill up space. But instead, get a habit of pausing and going down at the end of your statements. Send a very clear signal that you're done speaking now. And when you're done, you can start the next idea and you start a new sentence. That will really help other people to understand you better. Well, that's it, guys. That's what I wanted to share with you in this episode. If you have better examples that relate to this topic and you want to share them, please type your examples in the comments and it's even better if you record a voice message and you show to me how you hear that it sounds that will be priceless to be honest because i'm adding more examples to show people these differences and hopefully if your first language is russian now you understand what you need to do to be understood and if your first language is english and you're dealing with a lot of russians it doesn't really matter for personal matters or you know, you have, you're doing business with them. I hope that also explains to you why people talk that way. It's because they're really trying hard <laughs> most of the time. Thanks a lot for listening and I'll speak to you in the next episodes.